This is Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Eric Krakauer. Franco Panizo is somewhere miles away broadcasting from his bunker. Only, hold on a second, let me get my fingers out. Uh, two days left until Inter-Miami kickoff. The MLS is back tournament against Orlando City on Wednesday in what Franco has dubbed the Sunshine Derby or Derby or Derby del Sol to make it sound a lot sexier. Franco, I know you're in pins and needles. Sunshine Classical. Sunshine Derby's already been taken. El Derby del Sol oh, exists in right. Italy. Come on, come on, uh, No, Eric. I know the Derby del Sol exists, but it sounds sexier, and we can steal the Derby del Sol. It is Sunshine, sunshine Classical. You're right. Listen, I, I know you've seen on social media where people are like, I don't own the rights to this music or whatever, so I don't. we here at Miami Total Football Radio, we do not own the rights to the name uh, Sunshine Derby or Derby del Sol, so you know, if anyone from Serie A is out there listening to us. Um, you know, take your complaints to, to elsewhere or to Eric. Yeah, but you know what? You say that, but somebody came up with El Trafico for the LA Derby. Um, so, and that's stuck. So, who knows whether some of these will stick. Um, but we have a lot to talk about today on the show. Let me remind you that you guys can download the pod on iTunes, leave a review as long as it's more than uh, three stars. Uh, be nice, and you can follow the pod on every single social media platform from Facebook to YouTube. Most of that will be Franco's face uh, with all the news and analysis that you need to be abreast uh, to, abreast of, uh, if you're an Inter-Miami fan. And if you're lucky, he'll be wearing uh, his shades. Uh, I'm not going to tell you all the handles, just Googleize it. Uh, but uh, let's get to it. <laughs> Miami departed for Orlando on Wednesday morning and got a noisy uh, send-off from supporters, including members of the Southern Legion, Vice City 1896, and the Siege uh, supporters groups. You were there. Describe the scene for those of us who were either working, like me, or avoiding COVID-19. Uh, it was a festive farewell is how is the best way I could probably put it. There was obviously the, uh, I don't know, anywhere from two, I don't have an exact number, but anywhere from 200 to maybe 400 fans in attendance. Now, Inter-Miami obviously tried to take social distancing into account, and the way it was set up was there were, uh, what are they called? The, just the little fences that they put. to, to The barriers. To, to, right, the barriers. Um yeah, all the, all the Spanish and English words sometimes in my head, like I, I end up losing one here and there occasionally. It's a interesting thing that's happened to me as I've gotten older. Um, but the barriers, they had barriers at, for designated parking spots uh, on the east and west side of this parking lot. And, you know, fans could park their cars in each spot. And obviously each car can have anywhere from one to I don't know. I, I, there wasn't an, a limit, or I don't know if there was a limit, but you know, there was definitely some cars that had more than five, six people in them. So, uh, but the, the every again, every car was spaced out um, in their own designated spot by these barriers, and it went. It, it was it was a festive festive goodbye. It felt like kind of like a parade. The players walked out of the the practice facility and walked down, you know, maybe a uh, hundred yards or so onto the buses and they had fans on both sides just cheering and chanting uh you know the the la familia the supporters groups the group of supporters groups by city 1986 
Southern Legion, the Siege, they were all there in attendance cheering the team on and rooting them on and, and you know, just getting one last glimpse of them and, and wishing them good luck before they had they headed to Orlando for for the start of the final preparations before the tournament begins. So it was it was definitely festive. It was rowdy. Um and it was good just to see that that passion again and that that uh that love for the team from up close, especially after all these months of of having to be indoors and not 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 seeing that that energy that had been around during those first few weeks of the season prior to the the shutdown. You know, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but that's the the role that I'm I'm going to play. I was in studio at at, at BN Sports and I was uh, looking at my Twitter feed as I often do, just hoping that people send me really nice messages about all the work that I put into. To everything I, I do. And what I was seeing was a, a lot of videos, uh, some of them yours, of um, what was happening during that send-off. And I have to say, I didn't see that many masks, and I was a little surprised that that many people got together, even though you have um, told us that there was some social distancing, or at least Inter-Miami planned for there to be social distancing. But considering what we are seeing in Florida, and you and I talked about this last week when we recorded the pod, that what is happening in Orlando is happening within a disturbing and much bigger uh, context th- than just football or soccer. Uh, you know, it really caught me by surprise, and I can't help but feel that it was a little bit irresponsible for so many people to show up um, and 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 give the team a send off. And and I understand that we love to see that sort of passion. We love to see that sort of support, especially in the United States, where you know. Uh, the game has been devoid of that culture, if you will, in in so many cities. But it, it just doesn't seem like the right time to do that. A- am, am I just being a little bit too extreme here? Uh, you have you have the bad cop hat on today, huh? Um, listen, I again, my Inter Miami put for me Inter Miami put in protocols and put in place the barriers so that there was some social distancing. And people were told, or from what I perceived and what I saw, people were told to wear masks. Now, once the passion started coming out and the chants, and then you know maybe some some fans and some of the supporters took their pulled their masks down, and it was really really hot. I'm gonna really emphasize that point. It was very very hot. It was I think 11 a.m. when when this was all going down. So you know, I'm sure people we're chanting with masks on for a bit and then you know i got you know it gets it gets it gets hot in there so um i think you know some supporters did take their their masks off and chanted and and the excitement maybe got the better of them but i mean i don't i don't know dude like again just from what i saw like inter miami tried to try to put in place the protocols and then obviously fans will you can't control fans. Fans are going to do what they do. I mean, what is what is Miami going to do? What is what is the club going to do? Go to each individual person and tell them, put your mask on, or you have to leave. Like I don't, I don't, no, I don't. Look, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what else could be done in in that regard. I think, I think if anything, and look, I, I'm not privy to all the protocols that Inter Miami put in place, but I'm assuming that they did, and you're saying that they did, and I'm assuming that they believed wholeheartedly that those who were present uh, would be responsible, but if if there's anything that we've seen, um, especially in this state, I'm sorry to say, uh, is that too many people are utterly irresponsible. But that's a conversation for uh, a little bit later. So the the send off was a successful one 
in terms of the players getting all the love that they wanted. And you, you noted a couple of weeks ago when you did a pod that Paul McDonough had said that he was going to try and delay the departure as much as possible so that the team could train in Fort Lauderdale. That happened. They are now in Orlando. We've gotten glimpses of Inter-Miami's digs uh, at Walt Disney World's um, ESPN Sport Complex in Walt Disney World. Pretty much a teenager's dream. Uh, who am I kidding? It's kind of my dream as well. Lots of games and activities lined up. And according to all the reports, some of them coming from you, the players uh, very, very happy with their digs and feeling um, very safe within the MLS bubble that has been created up there. Yes, yeah, we spoke to Nico Figal and Will Trapp uh, on Friday. And they had been obviously at the resort for a couple of days at that point, And they came back with positive reviews. They said the accommodations are, are great, that they feel safe, that the food is good. Because obviously there had been some talk about the food not, not being great uh, initially due to some social media tweets by Toronto FC players Omar Gonzalez and, and Eric Zavaleta. But again, the, just to reiterate, Inter-Miami feels safe inside this bubble that was what they said what figal and will trap expressed and said on friday and they've taken to it they've taken to the amenities to the the shared space that they have that has you know arcade games board games card games a poker table playstation um all different types of things for them to to keep busy and and uh decompress during what's going to be obviously a challenging couple of weeks or a few weeks in in orlando where you can't really leave the the resort. You can only be at the resort. And they also went golfing. Um, there's a hilarious video of, of your boy, uh, Jerome Kiesvetter, <laughs> slamming an iron into the ground and breaking it in half. Um, but uh, either either that uh, that uh, golf club is like the flimsiest of things. That dude <laughs> is very, very strong. Because either that or his form is terrible. So easily. Either that or his form is terrible. <laughs> well, it, well his, his form was was terrible, and I love uh, uh, it was Lee Wynn's video, uh, and I love the reaction. I think I think that Wynn. was. I don't think he's ever seen something like that. I think that was Mikey Ambrose. I I, I, I could I could I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Like yeah. I, Lee was definitely the first person to post it, but I know that Mikey Ambrose was taking a lot of video of teammates golfing. And it sounds like him when he says, oh, my God, at the end of it, just like that. Uh, that was my yeah. Mikey Ambrose impersonation. Um, and it's just, it's so funny, dude. It's so funny. I've watched it, like, I can't, dozens of times. It's like, not only does Keith Vedder smash and break the iron, and then Agadello goes from fearing that he's going to get hit to just pure embarrassment in a matter of, like, half a second. But then at the end, you have that, like, cherry on top where Mikey Ambrose just... Well, I think it's Mike Ambrose. Just kind of like in and complete and complete disbelief of what I that know, just happened. It took a while for him to react. Right there was like a <laughs> there was like a pause. Yeah, as if he didn't believe what what he had actually seen. You know, and one of the things that is clearly evident to all of us on the outside of of the bubble, and actually some players, including uh, Figal, have noted this, is that this the the, the the circumstances that the players are in, um, the limited movement, the, all the entertainment is really helping um, all these players bond. And one of the players that we're going to talk about, obviously, is Gonzalez Perez, who will not be able to play. And we have uh, a question from one of our listeners that we'll address a little bit later, and we'll touch on it when we talk about the game against Orlando. 
But one of the things that was mentioned about Gonzalez Perez is he gets to be among his teammates and the chemistry that is building between these guys is, you'd think, going to be crucial not only in the tournament, but whatever comes after it, particularly since uh, this is an expansion team with a lot of uh, players uh, put into this uh, situation together. So that's certainly good news for for Inter-Miami supporters. Yeah, the the move was made official on Wednesday afternoon. It was clear. Uh, I mean, Paul McDonough said it. You know that they were that he confirmed the reports that had come out in the last couple of weeks that they were in final talks with with Leandro Gonzalez Pires. I then saw him on the bus or on the on the march down and on the way to boarding the bus. Took a picture. I, I put it on social media, and then you know a few hours later, the team formally and officially announced his arrival. But he will not be able to play, like you said, due to some abstract or weird MLS rule as we know the league can be very complex well let's let's not let's not burn the answer to the question right now sure sure Franco okay. come okay. on you're getting ahead of yourself stop <laughs> it uh, well look I'm, I'm going to touch uh, I'm going to touch on that um, on that topic of COVID uh, again uh, apologies to to the listeners and apologies to you Franco Franco by the way just for for full disclosure Franco and I are in constant contact usually I'm insulting him for a variety of reasons uh, which he takes exception to but uh, in one of our more serious conversations he and I were having a back and forth about whether this tournament should actually go forward because questions have arisen as to whether the tournament should actually happen in in the first place um, because, of course, all this is happening within the, that broader context of players testing COVID positive. FC Dallas, the most problematic of teams with around 10 players slash staff members infected. And now some word coming from MLS that their opening game against the Whitecaps may actually be postponed. Now, no, it was, it was said, postponed. It was postponed. It's it was postponed. Yeah, so it actually 100%, has been postponed. Yeah, yeah. 100% postponed. Yeah. Now, you know, I asked you the question whether, you know, this should happen. You know, should we have this tournament? Surely, if players are continuing to, to test positive, um, and the Whitecaps, by the way, had an issue as well where the, the there was some issue with the testing, but they com- came back negative, and that um, uh, that delayed their their, their trip from, from Vancouver. I asked you the question whether this tournament should happen. You made the case that, yes, you have players... Uh, like Mueller from Orlando, who says that he, you know, he prefers to be in this bubble in Orlando than at home because the risks are are fewer. I mean, there's not even a like a, a modicum of a chance that this tournament will be scrapped, right? Well, just before I answer that, so you said that me and you are in constant contact. So just so that people know, me and Eric haven't seen each other in months. It's, when he says contact, he just means we're in in, in a constant conversation and, and dialogue. But um, to answer your question, um, well, I don't want people to think we're hanging out because we haven't we haven't seen you. That's in, true. In, in no, we're, months, we're both so. we're both being we're both being very careful. And I have um, a sixteen month daughter at home. To yes, protect. I haven't seen uh, Eric's mug besides on social media and on BN Sports. But to answer your question directly, uh, I don't see this tournament not being played unless there was a huge amount of cases across the league, across the, the, the teams that are in the bubble. Right now, FC Dallas is the outlier. They, they've obviously had a concerning number of cases, but MLS is releasing their positive COVID test results on a 
two-day basis. So every two days, the league's announcing, hey, we have this many players have tested positive, and this added this many tests that we've done. And the numbers are actually pretty low. Now, obviously, there's concern, and there's a level of concern from players, uh, from fans, from officials, but from it's not it's not all alarming it's not all doom and gloom for lack of a better phrase there there are teams and there are players in the bubble that like you said feel very safe Mm -hmm. or are just in there and and going about it and taking it as as the task at hand i mean i i tweeted out uh a video that i saw on marcos lopez's uh instagram handle and he's uh he's a san jose earthquakes player peruvian player um he tweeted out a video of the San Jose Earthquakes at dinner on Friday night, and they were singing together. They were chanting. They were doing karaoke. So they're clearly in good spirits. And I know that, like, on the outside, when you when you read some of the stuff that's out, that's out there, it can come off as it's really concerning. And on the inside, you know, everyone's kind of on pins and needles, but that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like they're uh, just like anything. You take any group of people, there are people that feel one type of way and there are other people that feel a different type of way i think there are players and i i understand that there is a level of concern um but then there are players that that feel very safe and feel very comfortable and are just going on it you know are are moving forward with with the with the with the task at hand and that's a good transition for the two of us to talk about the task at hand and it starts with inter miami opening up the tournament against orlando in the sunshine classico All right, Franco, let's talk about the opening game. And it's been a while since we actually get to talk or preview uh, a game a number of months. Inter-Miami in Orlando City locking horns at 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. And I guess that perhaps the best place to start is with Team News. So what's new in the world of the Inter-Miami roster? Well, so obviously the team left um on the buses on wednesday to that festive farewell again there was flares and chants and banners and flags and it was festive event but in um, in the middle of that or amidst that when the team walked out there were two players in the group that were conspicuously absent then they didn't travel with the entire group those players were andres reyes and christian macun they did travel to orlando everyone has traveled to orlando the whole, all the all the healthy players have traveled to Central Florida, but they did not go with the group uh, on the buses. Now, are they carrying knocks, injuries? It's not it's not entirely clear. Um, Andres Reyes has trained since they've been in Orlando. Christian McCoon has not, so he might be a scratch again. We don't know if, if it's an injury concern. You know, if he's got a knock, Inter Miami has been a bit mysterious all year when it comes to injuries and revealing severities and um and you know the the diagnosis so it could be that he's injured it could be that he that he misses out on the opening game um i've heard that another player that did that is in orlando did not 
train the other day, but I wasn't able to confirm that, so I won't uh, share the identity just because I don't I don't want to put any any inaccurate information out there. Um, if I hear if I get confirmation, I'll definitely uh, make it make it public. Um, but yeah, McCoon has not ha- had not trained um, did not train on on Friday when Inter Miami had their first day of of practice and. Besides that, it's, it seems like most of the team is, is ready to go um, and that they'll be available for selection. Remember, there's only a 23-man roster for, for each game, so coaches have to dwindle down or, or narrow down their, their entire roster just to just a 23-man squad for, for each game. So Diego Alonso will have that that job um, to do on Wednesday where he'll have to name 23. So it, there's a possibility McCoon might not be on that list, but we'll see. Um, there's still some time for him to obviously get back into the swing of things in training. Okay, we'll talk about the potential lineup for Inter-Miami in a second, but let's just mention Orlando. Um, they drew their first game of the season uh, against Salt Lake at home. That was nil-nil, and then lost the second in Colorado 2-1. Chris Mueller uh, scoring the only goal for Orlando, a team that includes a goalkeeper that you're a big fan of, I'm assuming, Pedro Gallese, who was playing for Tiborones de Veracruz, a team which no longer uh, exists in Liga MX, someone who's also played for Alianza Lima and the starting goalkeeper for the Peruvian national team, Nani, one of the star players, somebody that I know uh, very well. Uh, So this is a team that actually has a considerable amount of talent, and it's worth noting that on the bench sits Oscar Pareja, first year in charge of the club. Uh, He won the 2016 Supporter Shield with FC Dallas, as well as the U.S. Open Cup against New England. So a a distinctly different team from the one that we saw last season. You've followed this league for a very long time. You know that Oscar Pareja is easily one of the better managers in the league. Yeah, so uh, really quickly, I have to say, you, you can't say that I, like, you know, as a goalkeeper, I know very, that I'm very familiar with him, Pedro Galese, because um, he's obviously Peruvian, and, I, and I'm obviously a, a big follower of the Peruvian national team. And not mention that you, like, obviously follow Nani because he's uh, Portuguese. That's, that's very... Uh, uh, deceptive, I I deceiving, did. deceiving. Oh, yeah, you said you like you were like oh, I a know. player that I know well. Everybody knows yeah, I'm Portuguese. Come on, man, come on. You 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 undersold how well you know Nani and how big of a Portuguese <laughs> Portuguese soccer follower you are. But anyway, um, like you said, I have actually written an article that will come out on Monday uh, of Oscar Pareja and Diego Alonso and that that coaching matchup that that we'll see on Wednesday. Oscar Pareja, if you don't if you're not familiar with who he is, he's a coach that has been in MLS before. He left for a year to go to Club Tijuana in Mexico. Had some varying degrees of success there, but he's back now in in MLS. He's coaching Orlando City, a team that's historically, I mean in in these early few years of its existence in MLS has not been very good and he's trying to to help right the ship and turn that around. He was with FC Dallas before, and he he was a coach that got the most uh, out of the out of a young group, out of a group that obviously had limited resources, doesn't have the spending power that an LA Galaxy has or uh, Toronto FC has, and he he made them really competitive teams in the Western Conference on a consistent basis. They won a U.S. Open Cup and the Supporters Shield, which is you know for the team with the best record in the regular season back in 2016. 
he gets the most out of his group and he's and you know in, in Spanish the saying is le, le prime bastante jugo al limón or todo el jugo al limón or a la, a la naranja so he gets the, the he gets all of the juice out of out of the lime or out of the lemon or out of the orange um and he's a coach that relies on young players he trusts young players and that's definitely one of the reasons why Orlando City went in his direction because Orlando City's not spending like Atlanta and not spending like LAFC. So they need a coach that can get the most out of the players that he has at his disposal. And that's Oscar Pareja to a T. Now, again, he's new He's new on the job and they haven't established their identity or their way of playing. It's They're still in the very early phases uh, or stages of, of building this team under Pareja's vision. But the thing that Orlando City has going for them going into this Wednesday match that they didn't have in the first two games of the season prior to the to the shutdown is that they have Dom Dwyer and Nani ready and available. Both of them missed the first two games. Dom Dwyer, I believe, it was due to an injury. Nani was because of a suspension he received at the end of last season that carried over into the first two games of this year. So they'll both be available for this match. Obviously, Nani's a very dangerous player. You know him well. Um, and that's going to make the task for Inter Miami very, very tough. But Pareja, Pareja is a good coach, good coaching mind, knows his stuff, knows how to manage MLS. And uh, I think I think it'll be an interesting chess match in terms of coaching strategies and coaching approaches on, on Wednesday. Well, you mentioned that there's no Orlando identity as of yet, the same can be said about Inter Miami. Um, and look, this is—we have to remind people that this is a, a tournament with a trophy, where where points in the group stage will count towards the regular season. So it's uh, serious from the get-go. So you're expecting Inter Miami to play its best and fittest eleven. We saw two different formations in the first uh, two games, with a four-two-three-one in the first, sort of and a 3-4-3 uh, sort of in the second. What do you expect for this one? Yeah, so the, it's tough, man. It's really tough to say because we haven't had a chance yet to talk to, to Diego Alonso to see if he leaves you any crumbs as to how he's thinking of approaching the game. Obviously, Inter-Miami will not have Roman Torres available for this one. Torres got a red card in against DC United back in March. That carries over into the first game of this tournament. So he's not available. Um, does that so we'll probably th- see Andres Reyes and Figal so, in the heart of the back well, four? That's, so that's do they go with two at the back? Does does Diego Alonso feel comfortable enough going with two at the back? Andres Reyes was one of three against DC United when he got the start. Does he feel comfortable enough in in the young center back to put him as as a two center back pairing in, in a four man backline, or does he want to go with the with the three center backs and five? man defensive line that's that's the question we we don't really know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna guess right now just educated guess based off of what i've heard and what i've um picked up i think he goes with four at the back i think he 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 will trust in reyes or or give reyes the opportunity to to showcase himself in a in a four-man back line um and i think we see the four two three one look that we saw back in the first game against lafc i think we'll 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 see Inter Miami in that look, adopt that look, and and try to take the game and dictate the game uh, a little more than than maybe Orlando City will, but while also still being very defensive 
defensively organized and defensively sound. Because obviously Diego Alonso is, is from what we saw in the in the first two games, wants his team to scrap and, and fight and not ignore their defensive responsibilities. So you put a gun in my head right now. I'm saying four two three one um, with Andres Reyes and, and and Nico Figal as as the two center backs. Yeah, I think that's the formation he's going to go with. So probably Ben Sweat on the left. Do you think it will be Nealis on the right? I thought he handled himself well as a, as a wing back. Yeah, I think it's Nealis's job now that right back or that right wing back spot. However, you know whatever formation they go with, I think it's his spot to lose now. Alvis Powell didn't have a great game as we touched on, um, on you know so many episodes ago against LAFC. So I think Dylan Nealis gets to start at right back. Luis Robles obviously. Uh, the team captain is the automatic starter in goal and Ben Sweat on the left. I think that's your your back four and, and your goalkeeper uh, against Orlando City, barring any injuries or any changes from here until until Wednesday. Right, and Robles never gets injured, so he'll definitely be in between the sticks. Uyoa and Will Trapp, that was the midfield tandem that we saw start in both games. So I guess we can pretty much... Uh, take it for granted that the two will uh, play alongside each other once again, and then probably Pizarro Morgan uh, alongside them, right? Uh, well, if we're going 4-2-3-1, then it would be, uh, I would say, Morgan on the right, Pizarro as the 10, and Pellegrini out on the left. I mean, Breck Shea could be an option out there as well, but I think um, Pellegrini gets the start, and that's that's your midfield five. I mean, obviously you you can make a case for Lee Wynn, um, someone that we didn't see in that second game against DC United. That was a bit. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a bit of an interesting omission from from Diego Alonso not to use Lee Wynn in a game that they were that they were chasing and that they needed a goal to to try to salvage a result. So maybe they could you know you could see maybe a different tactical wrinkle where it's. Maybe uh, Will Trap, Lee Win and, and Pizarro, or Uyoa Win and Pizarro. But I think you know, I, like you said, and I think they're gonna go with with that base triangle in the middle, where it'll be Uyoa Trap and Win Trap. Obviously, as the, as the sixth, the more defensive minded guy, Uyoa a little bit more as an eight, where he'll he'll get forward a little bit more, and then obviously Pizarro as the ten with freedom to move around and, and try to pick up the ball and, and, and make things happen. So I think that's your midfield five, yeah. And up top, Oof, that's, we go with Robinson. So that's that's the that's the, the, the one spot that's really a question mark because prior to the season, now if you remember, when they had that, that preseason game, that first preseason game that they played, the starting group included Juan Agadello. Obviously, this is early days, but that initial idea with Carranza out injured was Juan Agadello as the starter then he got hurt in that game so Robbie Robinson came in showed some things in in the first two games of the regular season so now it's like you have three options up top Diego Alonso has Julian Carranza he's got Juan Aguadelo and he's got Robbie Robinson like I'm, I'm actually gonna pose it to you before I say who I would go with I want to know Eric what, what do you think who do you start in a game against an Orlando City team that is most likely not gonna say they're gonna sit back and you know, park the bus, but they are direct and they might not try to play blow for blow with Inter-Miami. They might take a little more of a pragmatic approach to this one. Not necessarily, again, sitting back and defending for 90 minutes, but definitely maybe letting Miami have the ball a little bit more. So if that's the type of game that you expect, or I mean, that's the type of game that I expect, well, 
who do you what kind of forward do you go with which which of those three do you do you start well look let me tell you right right now that I was very impressed with Robbie Robinson in that second game against DC until he came off injured he was good at holding the ball he was making the right decisions uh, with the pass something that we didn't see in in the first game um, so I think he's going to he's going to start because obviously Diego Alonso trusts in him. You look at Juan Agudelo, a guy who's pretty good in tight spaces and perhaps you need somebody like that when uh, your opponent is playing in a deep block. Although I'm not really sure whether we'll see Orlando playing in that deep in in that uh, deep block, but maybe maybe you're right. And I haven't seen much of uh, Julian Carranza, you know, I cover South American football, but uh, I've never called any of uh, of his games in the past. He's still very young. I don't know what his best attributes are um, and how well he's training. You know more about that than than I do. But if I were Diego Alonso, I would go with a player that I've already seen play who has made a significant uh, developmental jump between game one and game two. So Robbie Robinson would certainly be my my choice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you that that's what I think Diego Alonso goes with i think that he saw enough progress from game one to game two and maybe the attitude that 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 uh robbie robinson has that that chip that he has and goes with him in this one because he's seen him with the starting group in games like you said and that obviously is a big plus in in a, in a coach's mind so he didn't get to see juan agadello in an actual game with the group to see and identify is he a good fit is he not a good fit and again, Carranza, you've seen him in training. Carranza, I think they're very high on him. And I think he will play a role in this tournament. Remember, there's five subs per game. So no doubt that we see Carranza. No doubt that we see Aguidelo at some point over the course of, of these three group stage games. But I agree with you. I think Diego Alonso goes with Robbie Robinson because of his mobility and the way he carries himself on the field. He's definitely aggressive. Not doesn't Didn't look like a, a, a rookie in that second game. Didn't look... As, as timid or as, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, I'm, I'm looking for a word, but he, in the first game against LAFC, you could you could see that he... Didn't he, look, he yeah, he, he looked intimidated in the first game. He looked a little bit out of sorts. And, 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 that, he, and, that, and you get, and you know, you, that, it makes sense. It's his professional debut. Of course, it's against, and against one of the best teams in the league. One of the best the teams league. in the league, in their home stadium, with their crowd rocking. So, you I get that. But then in the second game, you saw a player with a little more... A little more chispa, a little more fight, a little more willingness to 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 believe in himself and, and and show that confidence that you want out of a striker. So, Robbie Robinson is who I who I think will will be up top when and, when the game against Orlando City gets going. And, yeah, and tactically astute too. That was the thing that impressed me the most about his positioning, his movement. He was involved in in that first goal, which was scored by Rodolfo Pizarro. He he creates uh, that play with his touch and with his with his movements. I spoke to. Andres Cordero and, and Ray Hudson about the about the games, obviously, considering that they're the, the commentators uh, mm-hmm. for Inter Miami. And both of them um, were very impressed with uh, with Robbie Robinson and, and Ray Hudson. You know, Ray Hudson, both these guys give you a, a very critical and and honest assessment and and i think they were blown away as too strong, but they were certainly impressed with the difference between game one and, and and game two so no, a little no. bit of insight into the guys that are that are calling the well not these games but will be calling into miami's games well i was gonna say so i prefaced the answer or i said the, i said, stated the answer with the notion that this is who i think diego alonso is gonna go with if it were up to me i don't know if i would start robbie robinson i think 
for the way Inter Miami wants to play, I think you need a, a player that's a little more technical. I don't know if Robbie Robinson is the most technical player, uh, the most technical forward on the squad. I think Julian Carranza hasn't beat in that regard. Um, and I might go with Julian Carranza in this first game just because I think he just fits better what the team wants to do. But again, I think Diego Alonso goes with the with the guy he's seen and and, and the guy that's played and, and shown something. I'm, I'm not saying so. I don't want anyone to confuse it. I'm not saying that Robbie Robinson is a, a terrible player and he shouldn't be starting because he did show some some good things. But if it were me, if I had to say, I would start Julian Carranza. Because I think his game and his technical qualities suit the way Inter Miami wants to play uh, a little bit more. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember which game it was. I'm trying, yeah, it was. I think it was the first game against LAFC. There was one play where the ball came came in over the top. I, I think Pizarro played it, um, and it Robinson took one touch too many, and by the time he got ready to to pull the trigger, LAFC had closed him down and, and blocked the shot for. Uh, for, Man, uh, you are you are a tough critic. You're looking at one one specific. Uh, Dude, one but that, specific that, one, that one play tells you a lot because like, well, no, you, you got you got to be able to bring that ball down and and and, and take the shot on. That's, that's your job as a forward. Yeah. If you if you get, take yes, one touch true. too many, and I've and I've seen video footage of him in, in college and stuff. And there's different plays where you know there's there's a opportunity for a left footed finish, and he takes that extra touch to to make himself comfortable on his right and then finish with his right. So I think technically he's not not as good as as. Julian Carranza or as Juan Agudelo. Okay, and uh, very quickly, what is your prediction for the for the score in this game? Well, that's one of, that's one of our questions. Actually, we've we've gotten uh, a few more questions, so I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that to the end. So uh, keep, okay, keep keep people keep it waiting just a little a little longer for us for us to give our our predictions of what happens in the El Clásico del Sol, the Sunshine Clásico on Wednesday. <laughs> All right, Franco, question and answer sesh with you and me. And as per usual, sorry, I'll stop that. Uh, you're the one who's going to be reading. You're the one who's going to be reading. Per usual, are, are you like from the yeah, it's sesh and usual? Mean, come on, man. Are you like, are you from like the the cast of white chicks? What, what's going on there, bro? <laughs> well, I was accused on air of uh, on air of, of being uh, what's the name of that? That silly show, uh, Jersey Shore oh, show, yeah, yeah, because yeah. of the clothes that I was, uh, that I was uh, wearing. You, you I, look I like you look like you could have been a fist pumper back in your in your heyday. Absolutely not. Although I was a bartender for a very long time in in places just like uh, those where a lot of people are doing the fist pumping in the south of Portugal. Okay, Franco. Uh, enough about me. Let's get to the questions. Question number one. Okay, so there's two questions that are very similar. I'll read them both, but we'll answer them together here since they're both very similar one's from at jrrc171 uh avid listener and avid follower of of the show uh he asks any way you can explain why mls won't let leandro gonzalez pires play i don't understand this tam player situation and then he asks, what lineup and formation do you think alonso will go with any predictions on the score thanks franco Andres, our other avid listener, a regular, a regular follower of 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 our show, and um, an avid question submitter. What's the difference between the Brexche signing and the Leandro Gonzalez Pires signing in terms of the MLS rules? Is Brexche eligible to play? So, um, let's let's I guess let's dissect both of those. Um, Brexche is eligible to play, so that'll be the the easy answer for for that second part of Andres's question. Um, and what's the difference between 
Brackshay and Lando Gonzalez Pires. Well, uh, Eric, you know MLS is, is tricky with the rules. We were touching on it earlier. And basically it's because Leandro Gonzalez Pires is uh is a player that's that's being signed with targeted allocation, TAM, which is what uh JRRC uh asked us in the in the initial in the initial tweet or the initial question. So apparently MLS did not want big money signings to be made and compete in in this tournament um they i guess they didn't think it was fair or whatnot so break is not Which a big is so strange to me yeah. because you've got it you've got a tournament that a lot of people have their eyes on don't you want to uh to display your best talent i, I mean just just a strange strange decision Sorry, yeah go ahead. no 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 i mean and, and you're 100 percent, you know s- spot on and i think that's you know something paul mcdonough stressed um in a story he did with the athletic where you know he would he wants to, obviously he signs him he wants to have him available um and he's in orlando he could have very easily played in this tournament but mls's rules don't allow it so Leandro gonzalez pires will be there from afar or will well he'll be there training with the group and he'll watch from afar when it comes to the games because he will not be able to play so i mean it it is what it is with regards to that i agree it's a silly rule um, but yeah, and I mean, and going back to the initial question, what lineup and formation you think we'll, we'll see Alonso go with? We touched on that earlier. Um, and as far as that, any predictions for the score, we will give our predictions in just a few moments, but I want to get to the last question first, because the last question, um, I, I really like this. I really like this question and I'm, I think we're going to have fun with it. Eric, I'm going to ask you to go first after I ask the question. It's from Joseph E and another uh, regular listener at Joseph Gene one. How many goals does Inter Miami score during these first three games in the MLS is back tournament? Ooh, um, I'm going to go with three goals. Three, so just yeah. average of one a game. Yeah, I'm just basing it on what we saw in in those first two games, and this could be very different. But uh, three goals, uh, and maybe they blank in one of the games, so maybe they score two goals. In one of those. No, games. no. Give me, give me one answer, brother. Give me one. Answer. So you're saying three, you're saying three, three overall. Goals. Three. Okay. Three All right. overall. All right. I didn't want you to hedge your bets and then like next week's show be like, oh, I see. I called it. I said two. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. I didn't change my answer. No, I no. Just right, right. I got you. I got them you. up along those three games. I got you. I got you. I got you. I think Philadelphia is going to be a very tough ask. I got you. Yes. Um, I think Miami does not score in that game, but I'm going to say Inter Miami scores five goals in the group stage. I think they're going to score three against Orlando, and I think they're going to score wow. two against chicago and i think they get five um in in wow. this group three stage game. against orlando yes, so in the sunshine classic yes so that goes to, right that time <laughs> so that goes to the uh the 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 question we've been asked a couple of times and we've we've talked about what is our prediction for wednesday's sunshine classico el clasico del sol Inter Miami versus Orlando City, the first chapter in this budding rivalry. And by the way, Inter Miami supporters that were in attendance for the Festa Farewell, they had a uh, some choice words in a, in a chant for Orlando City fans or Orlando City as a club. So anyone that's saying it's not a rivalry or it's they haven't played yet, so this is definitely a budding rivalry. This will be a rivalry. Um, there's the two, the only two Florida MLS teams, so this is going to be a rivalry. There's no, there's no denying that. There's no. There's, there's no oh let's wait till they actually play to see if this becomes a rivalry. This is going to be a rivalry just because of geographically where they are, um, in in the state and within the league. So, um, prediction for the first Sunshine Classico, Eric, you can start 
see what you well, got. Well, I can't, I can't give Miami more than one goal, right? So I'm going to go with <laughs> one, one, uh, and it's going to be. I, I'm even going to tell you the 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 scores nice. uh, in this game. It's going to be Pizarro again, and uh, Nani is going to come back in style for for Orlando. Going to score a worldly. No, of course. Yes, of that's of called course. bias, my friend. Of course, <laughs> of course, of course, you would say that. Um, uh, listen, man. I think Miami wins three to one. I think. Wow. I think they are better on paper at, at, over the over the course of the eleven the eleven uh, spots, um, and I think that they they've been training a good while. Orlando's been training a good while, but I think Miami's going to show that that the individual talent that it has in the group. I think collectively they're going to show it more um, than maybe they were able to in those first two games. Remember, Inter Miami was the more dangerous team against DC United um, up until the point where the red card. Where, where the red card. So yeah, they were they were looking pretty good. And you know, sig- it, there was a drastic difference. I mean, the quality of the teams. I mean, even Robles correct. said this. I think Miami get, gets a big win to to start off this tournament and to start off El Clasico del Sol. With a, with a successful chapter. Can I just say this very quickly before we end the pod? You know what? I love rivalries. I like that I like that this will become a rivalry, a geographic one, as you, know, as you have noted. But I've noticed something in MLS that I don't like, right? And I saw this in New York. The, the, there's almost an urge to contrive a rivalry, to make it nasty. We saw it between the Red Bulls and NYCFC, more on the side of the NYCFC supporters. Apology, NYCFC supporters, if you listen to this pod, which I doubt you do. And with ugliness, the, the ugly side of rivalries coming out. So this is this is a reminder for all you budding soccer fans or all of you who are chomping at the bit uh, to really uh, radiate your 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 passion, emanate your passion for in, Inter Miami. You can be rivals. You can have some distaste for your opponents, but keep it uh, keep it PG. You don't have to be uh, pricks about uh, about it. And and I hope it doesn't devolve into that because it's an ugly side of the game that we've seen grow in the MLS. Sadly, it's almost as if MLS supporters want to. Uh, steal some of the ugliness uh, from soccer in, in in other countries. Hey, P- uh, PG thirteen's okay, man. PG PG thirteen's all right. Some you know some curse words here and there in the chance. I don't yeah, I don't I don't, yeah, I don't mind you know, that you know you the you know the violence the violence and yeah and getting the to violence, that getting to that point for sure and, for sure and and for for those of you who like watching soccer uh, soccer from other countries, uh, I'll point you to the the Bass Derby uh, in in La Liga between Athletic. And Real Sociedad, those teams dislike each other. They're huge rivals, but when the teams play each other, the fans from both teams are mingling. They're celebrating. They're drinking together. It's uh, it's uh, a a beautiful thing. Okay, uh, Franco. Last thoughts in thirty seconds or less. Well, you said you you said Pizarro will be the the player that scores. Um, the first goal for Inter Miami in in this tournament, and I th- I think that's a good way to end it. I think the first goal scorer for Inter Miami in this competition will be Julian Carranza. All right, and with that, and w- with that, and with that, we have come to the end of this pod, and we will be recording a pod on Thursday night um, yep. to talk about the first game against. Uh, Orlando. Breaking, it will be breaking room. it all down. Yep, breaking it all breaking down. It all Do, down. Doing doing a, a whole full thorough analysis. Make sure you tune into that because we're gonna get back to to doing what we initially intended to do with this show, which is not only bring you the news but bring you the analysis, the X's and O's that you might not be able to get uh, anywhere else. We're gonna dissect it, 
at length and and in detail, um, player by player. We might we might even do grades here on the show. Uh, we're still we're still fi- fi- like figuring that out. But um, Eric, I'm really really excited that we have games uh, just days away, and and we're gonna be able to to talk soccer, and I'm gonna be able to to win some more points against you in our season long uh, argument count. So very much, very I much, one right now. Very, very, I, I don't think so. Very much looking forward to it, brother. All right. All right, guys, until next time, thanks for listening.